Welcome to the Mom Worthy Podcast. This is Brittany. This is Sam. Grab your coffee or your wine and come hang out with us. Hey, mamas. Hey. So we just had a conversation with a mom. Um, if you remember, this was like a couple weeks ago now, we did the Never Have I Ever survey. And one of the questions was, never have I ever been sent to boarding school and we wrote at the bottom if you have send us a dm because we were very curious after hearing paris hilton's story which we talked about a little mm-hmm. bit and kat von d also came out and sat, went to the same school as paris we wanted to know more about these schools and wanted to know if any moms had been to a school similar so we had a mom actually dm us and her experience sounded pretty interesting and we asked if she wanted to come on and she said yes she did so this is her story that you're going to hear but before we dive into it i just want to put a disclaimer there's a lot of positive boarding school experiences that were also sent to us they are all not negative we're not trying to say that you know some people loved their boarding school experience and it was the most amazing thing that was done for them So we don't want to discredit that. Mm -hmm. This is really bringing awareness to the boarding schools that should not be open any Mm -hmm. longer. And hers wasn't as bad as like what maybe Paris and Kat had experienced either. I don't Um, know. That's pretty bad. No, emotional abuse leaves long, permanent scars. I know there was no physical or sexual, but... There was... Well, there was one part that was a little odd to me. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That one... I'm glad we went back and talked to her about it. Because I was like... Wait a minute. Yeah, very odd. And it's not just about a boarding school conversation. You know, it's not, are you interested in that topic? Listen to the podcast. What I think was really good about the podcast episode is it's about troubled teens. Mm-hmm. How the do message. You, yeah, the message behind, like, why was she sent to a boarding school? It's because she was a troubled teen, and what did she really need from her parents in that moment? And that was a lot. That's what I took from it. Yeah, totally. I because think. she wasn't that troubled. To me, she was like a normal teen. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit extreme in some areas, yeah. but I've seen way worse. Totally. So here's our conversation about boarding school. What was your childhood like and what were you like as a kid? My mom and my dad were not married and they ended up splitting up when I was probably between like four and five. Um, so my mom was a single mom and I am her only child. And so we frequently moved around a lot wherever her parents um, were living. So my grandparents, we lived in California, in Florida, in Oregon, back to California. And then when I was I guess I probably had to have been six-ish. My mom met um, and married my stepdad. Um, And we were living in Southern California with him. And uh, things were good. He had two older children from a previous marriage. So my step-siblings were probably like, I don't know, 10 or so years older than me. And then my dad got into a um, a work accident. He fell into a manhole or, or something like that. Um, I was like seven when it happened. But he ended up shattering his knee and having to have a total knee replacement. And so at that point, we moved to Southern Oregon to be with my grandparents so my mom could have some help with me. And so at, that's, I'm, that's kind of when... 
their marriage started falling apart. I think, um, I think my stepdad kind of had a, um, he developed a a pain pill problem. Mm. Um, and their marriage wasn't doing well. And then my mom struggled with her own kind of like depression and anxiety. And, um, she, she had an undiagnosed thyroid disease and she gained a ton of weight and became kind of self-conscious and didn't want to go out and do things. And as an only child, I think it was pretty lonely for me, but also, you know, like when they would fight, I, I, it was just me there and she would fight with me and my stepdad would be kind of just not, not really mean, but just really cold and like not attached, I think. Um, did you like him? Did you like your stepdad? Um, I I did up until the the pain pill situation started happening. I mean, he when they first got married, he was fun and he, we would play in the yard and you know, play catch and he would take me, you know, to the mall and stuff. Um, but after his accident and um, stuff he he changed and I loved him and I still love him I still talk to him but I didn't like him anymore mm-hmm. and I didn't like them being married anymore so anyways at some point uh, we moved to northern California because it was too cold in southern Oregon for my stepdad with his knee issues um, and so my grandparents stayed in Oregon and we went to Reading and I went, you know, I switched schools a lot, but that was kind of fine because I had switched schools quite a bit growing up anyways. I started going to this Catholic school in, um, in Reading and we had never really been that religious. And I, it was sixth grade for me that I started going to this Catholic school and Um, I think I probably just started hanging out with the wrong kids right off the bat there. But like, by seventh grade, some of my friends were having sex and drinking and all of that stuff. But the other girls were like cheerleaders and did sports and I wasn't really athletic. Um, So I just kind of stayed with my group of friends and my mom was just dealing with her own stuff and my stepdad. So they weren't really that involved. Like they wouldn't come to school things. Um, I rode the bus. So it's like they didn't drop me off at school and see my friends. And I would go over to my friend's house a lot in middle school. And like we would go to the mall and things like that. So that, you know, with my sixth, seventh and eighth grade was with that group of friends. And after the end of eighth grade, I met a boy through this group of friends who was 17 and I was 14. Yeah. Um, And he's gross. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I think I was just like, Oh, a boy likes me. But then we found out he had a child and my mom obviously was not into that. So that caused a lot of issues for me and her because I was like, why does it matter? You know, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. He says he loves me, you know? And so I think that's when a lot of like our issues started. Um, And I mean, we would scream at each other. And also I didn't have siblings. So when I was in a bad mood, I would pick on my mom. And when my mom was in a bad mood, she would pick on me. And like when her and my stepdad fought, 
they would both just, you know, be grumpy. So eventually during my summer going into my freshman year, I told my mom just how mean my stepdad was and how miserable it was living with them. And I kind of remember blaming my acting out on their situation, which I don't know if I was, if I truly was acting out because of their situation or if I was just doing, you know, what teenage girls do and trying to, I don't know, but she ended up kicking him out and then they got a divorce. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So it was, it was nice that I was able to tell my mom like, Hey, like this has been going on for a while. And I don't think, you know, I don't like living here with you guys. You guys are mean to each other. You're mean to me. And it was nice that she made a change. Um, But then, you know, just going through their divorce was hard. And then sometimes I wonder if like, it really was as bad as I thought, or if they could have worked things out. You know, she made that decision. And I mean, I was 14. Did she ever use that against you? Did she ever like blame you? No, she no, she never has. Um, I think really, she was unhappy in their marriage anyways. And I think that she just maybe didn't want to have, you know, a failed marriage after her and my dad didn't work out. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't really know why she would stay. But but she did. And maybe it was like the security, um, you know, having a house and just, you know, being comfortable. Yeah, Yeah. comfortable. Yeah. So start of my freshman year, that boy that I was dating tried to cheat with one of my friends. And then my all my friend group at school, like blamed me saying that I was trying to hook up with other boyfriends and they stopped talking to me altogether. And so I begged my mom to go to a different school. You know, they were like throwing things at me in class. Um, Jeez. And this was the Catholic school? Yeah. Wow. Catholic school is uh, rough. (laughs) Yeah. Private school is rough. Um, Was it, was it mixed? Was it boys and girls at the school? Yeah. Yeah. It was boys and girls at the school. And I want to say that my freshman class had probably about 75 students. So it wasn't really big, but it was big enough to you know be kind of overwhelming when you have nobody there yeah um and I had like two girlfriends still that would talk to me but only if the other girls weren't around Um, girls are so mean I know they are I high school and especially if it's a small class like that small class size you don't have many friends to choose from really yeah it's not a lot yeah and especially going through middle school with them and then going into high school it was like you were pretty cemented in your friend group um, yeah. if you weren't brand new. And and still, I wasn't in, like I wasn't involved in sports. I wasn't a cheerleader. Um, I wasn't a girly girl. You know, I wore jeans and a T-shirt and I just kind of wore my hair back. So I finally convinced my mom to let me go to another school, but it was a public school. And the one in our district was just huge, like over a thousand freshmen and I transferred in um in January so like in the middle of the school year tough was it like a culture shock almost uh yeah like I I was a just really overwhelmed like not knowing where classes were some some of the buildings were like a 15 minute walk away and you only had 10 minutes to get from class to class and um yeah and like honestly as far as like the culture it 
it was like because my friends were having sex and I knew they were having sex I had never done anything um but there were people like giving blowjobs in the locker room um yeah so it's like I go into change for PE and there's people you know hooking up and I'm just like oh my goodness like this was a really bad bad choice to make Mm -hmm. coming over here um so I just stopped going to school altogether. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm, wow. I'm not going. My mom was like, I don't know what, because she had to work. She's like, I don't know what I, I'm going to do with you. I just stopped going to school altogether. And then the, um, a truancy officer came and told my mom, like, I, that I needed to be in school somewhere. So my mom decided to send me up to Oregon to live with my grandparents. You were close with them, right? Yeah. Since you had lived with them a lot. Yeah. So so that, me moving to Klamath Falls to be with my grandparents, that was probably the best thing that she could have done. I so this is freshman year, right? Freshman year, you're supposed to go live with them and start a new school? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, went, I went back, I think it was probably February or March, to, to end out the rest of my freshman year. Um, I went, they, I, I went to private school when I went back, but I had had a couple friends from when I lived there previously in elementary school that were at this school. So I went in having some, you know, some knowledge of a few people. Yeah. Knowing a few people makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, um, I had a best friend that I had met in the fourth grade that I kept in touch even though we moved away because the the drive was like two and a half hours from Reading to Klamath Falls. So I I would still visit her. So when I went to school with her, it was like, you know, going into school with a built-in best friend. So that nice. and and my grandparents and I got along great. I lived with them probably for let's see here. My mom had moved to Klamath by the start of my sophomore year. Okay. Um, she, you know, got the house sold, um, quit her job, got everything moved. And then it was the four of us living in my grandparents' house for a while. My mom and I shared a room um, for a while. And then eventually my grandparents um, got a rental house and gave their home to my mom and I to live in. And so let's see, sophomore year, things were fine until, you know, probably... Towards the end of my sophomore year, I turned 16. I had a new boyfriend. Um, I did end up losing my virginity to him. And somewhere between my, the end of my eighth grade year and my sophomore year, my mom decided that she was going to find God and she was going to turn her life around and, you know, whatever. But she, like, took it to the way extreme and... When she found out that I had had sex, I mean, she locked me out of the house, threw Christian purity books at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was it was pretty intense. And plus, I was like emotional about having lost my virginity anyways, because I don't think that I had wanted to. But I was kind of pressured to like at a party while we were all drinking and stuff. Um, and so I definitely didn't feel supported. She definitely I don't know. I felt shamed. Yeah. Um, and the, I think that's really when things went downhill um, for us. Like, she didn't trust me anymore. So I started lying and sneaking out. Well, and not and not even like sneaking out of the house, but like, 
I would go to friends' houses and then go somewhere else and let her think that I was at a friend's house, but I'd be at parties drinking and, um, you know. I feel like that's stuff a lot of teenagers do, too. Especially with parents who don't trust them. It's usually you go to the extreme and you have to lie more. Yeah. But 16 is a very... I think pretty normal age that people lose their virginity too as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely think so as well. And also, and I know that, you know, it is what it is, but like, I like growing up, you know, my mom and my grandparents and my mom's friends and my uncles, they would all joke around about like being 13 and smoking pot in the field mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and driving drunk and things like that. And so I always had this like, like, wow, mom, you're such a hypocrite. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not doing anything that you weren't doing at this age. Um, and, you know, my grandparents didn't treat her the way she was treating me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought what I was doing was fairly normal teenage things, you know. Um, and then going into my junior year, I was probably drinking more than I had before um and I did start cutting but it was it was never it was like on my thighs um that way I could easily hide it and it was just for me I I I I really don't know why um I think part of it was just like the physical pain um Mm -hmm. because I I know that at that point um I was feeling depressed and I had anxiety and my mom was depressed. And I think she kind of was trying to self-medicate herself at home um, with pain pills um, because she would be, you know, sleeping a lot. She would have really like hostile moods randomly. I feel like at that age, it's that's... I don't think we even realize it until we're older, but we really need our parents to be like our rock because it's lonely in high school. Even when you have friends around you, it's so lonely. So to go through that, I can imagine why you were so depressed and had anxiety. Yeah, you didn't know why you acted out, but I'm sitting here thinking, I know exactly why you acted out (laughs) listening to your story. It was a cry for help and a cry for attention from your mom. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And also I think part of it was – um just the crowd there too mm-hmm. that I that I got myself into I mean I listened to metal music um I wore I wore black lipstick when I could you know it was like I was just kind of part of that that crowd that was you know depressed and angsty and um you know and like still I was having and at this point that boyfriend had dumped me for another girl and so I was probably you know sleeping around a little bit and you know, probably there no self worth at all. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, it 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 was um, probably a cry for help, but um, I never wanted to end my life. I mean, there were yeah. definitely <laughs> days where I was like, "Wow, if this is what life is, this sucks, and I don't really want to do this." But I never uh, seriously contemplated suicide. Um, I never vocalized that I wanted to kill myself. You know, I, you know, my mom knew I was unhappy. Um, Mm -hmm. So 
uh, I got put on some medications. One of them was Lexapro and Zyprexa. So I think one was a uh, mood stabilizer and one was an antipsychotic. Um, and, and then I just started sleeping a lot and I was tired all the time. I was sleeping in my classes. I was getting detention for falling asleep. Um, or being tardy to my first period because I couldn't wake up. What kind of student were you in school? Like prior to that and after, what, did that change? Were you pretty good in school? No, I was I was like a, a bare minimum. Like I passed all my classes, um, but barely. And I didn't think I wanted to go to college, so I wasn't really that concerned about um going and I also um at that point in my life my grandparents were well off and like they bought me my first car and I did not understand at all how life worked like as far as going to a job and being reliable and having to make money to pay for bills like I was just very used to seeing my grandparents pay for things and take us on trips and and so I I did not understand the need to you know set myself up for success in high school to go forward in in life um Mm -hmm. I didn't really actually get that until I was like 21 unfortunately then there was some stuff that happened at my school where um three of my friends got expelled from the school and it was a oh it was a small private Christian school like my my class of freshmen we had eight eight people oh my god yeah um so um when my friends got expelled and it was it was super political like if if your family didn't go to the church you that was attached to the school you weren't like in um and all the teachers were friends and their kids. Like I had three staff kids in my, or four staff kids in my class. Um, one of them was the vice president's or vice principal's daughter. Our English teacher's daughter was in my class. Um, and so, you know, there was obviously favoritism. And then I was also the outcast because I wasn't a virgin and I was drinking. So that was an awful situation. Three of my friends got expelled for just a stupid situation but my mom agreed to let me go to public school again which was it was a lot easier to skip class because I had a friend who worked in the office who wrote the notes you know to get you out of class but I always got caught somehow like my mom was like you can't keep doing this like you have to go to school you have to get an education you need to stop drinking and skipping and smoking and all that stuff and then she's like I just don't know what to do with you um that's where the therapeutic boarding school came into play. And how old were you at this point? 17. 17. Okay. And yeah. did she warn you about this? Like, did she say, I'm going to send you to the school if you don't act right? Or um, No, it came up in conversation when, so I went to her and I was crying. Um, uh, I, I was just crying. Um, and I, uh, she was like, you know, I've been looking into this. I really think it's going to help you. Um, and I, I, I was agreeable, um, because I, I knew I was unhappy and I didn't love the choices I was making. Um, but I, I just, I didn't know how to do anything else than what I was doing. And I, I knew that I was sad a lot. So 
I and I I didn't look into it or or anything. She just was like, you know, I looked into it. I think that this is the best option. What do you think? And I was like, if you think it's the best option, okay. Um, so it was it was a like a not really mutual, but I I wasn't resisting. Um, <laughs> she she like there were some people there who you know, their parents tricked them and they got kidnapped, like not kidnapped, but they got taken off of a plane to this school. Like I drove with my mom there and she dropped Mm -hmm. me off. You know, I, I, I got my stuff packed. Um, I had a going away party with my friends. I said goodbye to my grandparents. Um, and we went up there and basically when you get there, you unpack everything they search all your stuff they took a lot of stuff away so during the first 45 days you're a level zero and you have no privileges you um you can't shave you can't wear bobby pins or hair clips um you can't have any pictures of your friends or families no letters um you can't have any like music or anything. You just basically have clothes and deodorant and, you know, other toiletries um, and, uh, you know, your pillow, your bed, all, and, and that's it. Um, the clothing was like very specific. Like I had to get new clothes to come there. Everything had to be plain with collars, um, you know, knee length. I remember, so we came in like, after lunchtime, but before dinner time, and after I got all my stuff set up, I came to the first meal, and I had been chewing gum, and um, I put my gum on my plate because you weren't allowed to get up from your chair at the table, um, and so I didn't know what to do with it, so I put it on my plate, and I I had forgotten about it. I took my dish to the kitchen, and then the counselors called all of us in and we had to line up and they like started interrogating us about who had gum. Um, Cause I guess it was not allowed to have chewing gum there. And they thought someone had like snuck it in or something. And I was like terrified and I didn't want to admit that it was me because I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I said it was me and that I had been chewing gum when I came in. And so luckily, you know, everything was fine, but they told me, Gum is not allowed. What um, was what was the size of it? Like, how many people were there? Was it boys and girls? And did you have to room with anybody? Yes. So it was just girls. Um, and I want to say that there were maybe 20 girls total. Um, the building was really big, but we only occupied, like, one wing of it. But it, um, if I remember, there were, like, at least two other wings that were blocked off. Um, and then there was a large dining room and a large kitchen. Um, and then they had one room set up as a classroom. Um, and then as far as our rooms went, I want to say that it was three to a room. And the the new girls were up front because there were windows into the room. It, it almost would be like a little apartment where you might have like a living room and then a bathroom and a bedroom in the back, but they turned the front room into a bedroom for two girls and then took the blinds off the windows Jeez. so so they could see in. And, mm-hmm. 
if you were a lower level, you slept up front because you hadn't like earned the privilege of having privacy. Was um, it was it male and female? Is it teachers or counselors or? Um, it was all female staff, and um, I I think they were counselors. I I don't really know what their credentials were. Um, I I would assume they weren't educated in counseling just based mm-hmm. on my experience, but um, I'm not really sure like how how that worked. So yeah, so um. You just basically, you know, you woke up, you got ready, you had breakfast, you did, it was, it was homeschooling. It was all like self-taught subjects. So we would all do the same subjects together, but we were basically learning ourselves by reading and then doing homework assignments. Um, and then we would have lunch and then we would have group meetings and individual meetings um, and dinner time, and then we would clean up and have a little bit of free time. Um, but during free time, like we could read or listen to some music, there was no TV or anything like that. And then we had to, you know, go to bed and have lights off by a certain time. So it kind of, I think, felt very, um, like military schoolish, like we had to wake up and make our beds and they would be inspected. And, and there was just like a lot of rules. Like we couldn't touch each other. Um, we couldn't borrow supplies from each other. We couldn't get up out of, you know, our desk to, to grab a, a pencil or, a, you know, sharpen our pencil without raising our hand and being called on and excused. And then like at, at meal times, you know, we'd have to stay in our seat and raise our hands if we had to, you know, go to the bathroom or, or get something else to drink. Um, and then on the weekends, we did um, deep cleaning of the facility, um, like cleaning all the windows, the bathrooms, the floors, the kitchen. Um, it was just deep cleaning all day Saturday. And Sunday was just kind of a, a relaxed day, but it was still very structured. And How did you feel about all these rules like and your, all this structure? What yeah. was your thought process as going through this? Um, it was hard. It, it was definitely hard for me, especially, um, you know, I didn't have much structure at home. Um, I mean, like I would get up and go to school and I would come home and do my homework and then kind of whatever. Um but I don't think that I necessarily minded the structure as much as just like all the, all the rules and stuff that they had around just like interacting with each other. Like, you know, if they thought we were whispering, we would get in trouble. If we were standing too close, we would get in trouble. Um, and I think a lot of it was they didn't because there there were a lot of girls that talked about running away or like leaving in the middle of the night. And then there were some girls that were engaging in sexual activity with each other. Um, so I like I, I understand why the rules were in place, but like it just it was very isolating to not, you know, be able to sit down next to someone and just talk without 
worrying about, am I too close? Am I talking loud enough, but not too loud? You know, is this an appropriate conversation? That was kind of hard. And also I've never been a morning person. So getting up and getting ready and having my bed made and the room clean um, by a certain time, that was just really hard for me. (laughs) Were you able to contact your mom as as often as you wanted? Were there days where you could contact her? How'd that work? Yeah. So for the first 45 days, I wasn't allowed to contact her at all. Um, a long time. Yeah. So I think that after the first 30 days, I was allowed to, um, receive letters. I was allowed to send letters and I was allowed to receive letters from just my mom. And then I had to wait another 15 days to be able to make a phone call and get letters, um, from my grandparents. Um, and, and they would, open letters and they would read them first before they let us have them and outgoing letters were the same if I wrote anything that was negative about my experience or about the place or you know voicing any concerns they they wouldn't send the letter um and then when phone calls were able to happen um they would be on the other line and if the call got inappropriate they would disconnect it um so like one time the first time I was able to talk to my mom on the phone I just cried and I mean they warned me like stop crying or we're hanging up but I couldn't stop crying so they just hung up and were were you wanting to ask to go home or were you still fine with being there you're just emotional um I think that I probably was wanting to go home at this point um but I, I didn't assume my mom was going to let me come home um, because there were the way that the program worked was either you aged out of it when you turned 18 or you got to level four and graduated out of the program. But it was it was like an 18 month program. Um, and I, I, I knew that my mom wanted me to graduate, but I also knew that I would be 18 before the 18 months and that I could leave when, if I wanted to at age 18. So I was just thinking that I would be there for the whole year. Um, cause I went right after my 17th birthday. I couldn't talk to my mom whenever I wanted to. We had like scheduled calls and I think I only got two calls a week. Um, and I could call my mom and I could call my grandparents and I was only allowed 15 minutes on the phone. Um, and so finally, I graduated into level one um, and my mom was able to come for a weekend visit. That was, I think I had been there almost two months Um, and it was hard because like they even were trying to tell my mom that she couldn't hug me. Um, Yeah. They were like, you know, you need to, you need to maintain distance, you know, don't get overly emotional. Like they were trying to tell my mom, you know, she couldn't cry when she saw me and my mom's emotional too. Like we're both just emotional in general. So, you know, of course we're hugging and crying and they're separating us and, um, yeah. And they're, you know, and they're, they're, they're saying like, it doesn't look good to the other families and things like that. And, there was just like a lot, like a lot of the girls were there because they were involved with gangs or they had been in juvie or they were using like hardcore drugs like cocaine and, and heroin and 
you know, some of the girls there had had babies, you know, at 16, mm-hmm. 17. And and I'm thinking, you know, well, well, crap, you know, I skip school. I'm having sex and smoking pot. And, you know, I, I cut myself a little bit. But like, you know, it's it's nothing compared like to what these girls were there for. Um, yeah, you look and, like an angel compared to them. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, that's what I thought because. I, you know, they, they would tell us, don't, don't glorify your actions that brought you here. And, you know, they really didn't want us talking, but you know, at 16, 17, and some of the girls were like 14, 15, um, you know, they, they would be bragging, oh yeah, you know, my boyfriend's 23 and, you know, he's in a gang and, you know, he's waiting for me and stuff like that. Um, and then. At one point, one of the girls, one of the girls who basically got kidnapped and brought there, she got out in the middle of the night and they never found her. Um, She like successfully escaped and um, we would ask and they they like we were forbidden to talk about her. We couldn't even say her name anymore. Do we know? Did she ever like did her family find her? What happened to this girl? I, I honestly have no idea. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And I mean, it was, um, it was in the middle of the woods. There was like nothing around. Um, it's, uh, Lapine is just a super, super small town in central Oregon, right outside of Bend. And that's where the school was. There was nothing around. Like the closest thing was maybe like a 30 minute drive. Oh god! Yeah, and was, it, was that an like a regular thing for people to sneak out, or was she one of the first and only? Um, I think it was a regular thing for people to try, but she had been living just homeless, off grid with a group of friends um, beforehand. She, when she came in, she had she had like dreads and she had sticks just stuck inside of her hair um it definitely was apparent that she had been living outside for Mm -hmm. a long time and I'm not sure how her family found her and got in touch with her but they had told her that they were flying her to a family function um and she believed them and then on the plane people took her and then brought her to the um the school we had looked up, um, well, we had heard about Paris Hilton's story of going to a school similar, and they had grabbed her in the middle of the night and taken her. She yeah. thought she was being kidnapped. So that sounds like, yeah, it must be a regular thing for some people. You went there willingly, but it yeah. seems a lot of people have to be almost kidnapped and taken there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if I had known more about what it was, I would not have gone willingly, but I think that my mom either was misinformed or she was hiding some things to help me feel encouraged to go. I definitely can understand why some families feel the need to kidnap their 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 kids because knowing what it's like to be there, I don't think anybody would go willingly. Um do you know, have you talked to your mom about how she found out about this school and what research she did at this point? No. Um we there's no Google back then. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, we really don't talk about things. Um, after 
like after things happen and there's that initial period of, you know, maybe we're mad at each other or we're fighting. Um, we just, uh, it gets swept under the rug and then life just carries on as normal. And so I don't, I don't really like that, but I also, I feel like I'm, hold on. I don't want to cry. Um, sorry. Um, you're you're totally fine. I feel like if I were to try to talk about it, it would just bring up a whole lot of, of, you know, my whole childhood. And I think that there's a lot of resentment I have towards my mom for things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to resent her. Yeah. Um, so I think that I just stuff it because, you know, where I'm at in life now is great. And I think that I learned a lot from those experiences. Um, and I don't think I would be who I am now without those experiences. But I, I definitely, I do have a lot of hurt and resentment about the way things happened throughout my life um so but yeah no I just try not to bring things up with her what was the staff like there were you like close with any of the staff were they what, what was that like no the the relationship was very um like perf- like professional um they weren't nurturing even kind of cold and just very clinical um the whole thing was very like like facility f- feeling if if you cried they would get you like you if there there was a point system and you know you had so many points at the beginning of the day and you would be docked points for doing things throughout the day and then if you got below a certain uh number of points you were on and i i can't remember what they called it but it was like like house suspension um And what that meant was, like, you weren't allowed to speak. You had to eat your meals by yourself facing a wall. You did all your schoolwork facing a wall. Um, And uh, when it was free time, you had to um, sit in your room by yourself and read a book or something. Just sit on your bed. You couldn't do things. I I only got put on that once, but... If you if you cried too much, they would dock you points and say that you were doing it for attention. Um, or, you know, if you got angry about something, it was just you were lashing out for attention. Like there were no um, instances where they validated your feelings and let you just feel your feelings like er- everything you did. If it if it wasn't just calm and go with the flow was attention seeking. So odd. This wants you to be like robots. I was about to say yeah. that. Like they're trying to make you robots. And when I hear your story, what I feel is that what you needed is more communication, yeah. love, more mm-hmm. hug, more physical touch. You just needed to feel overwhelming love and support. And this was the opposite. The complete of that. opposite. Yeah, yeah. Very isolating. It, and it, then you get punished by more isolation. Yeah. No, it it really was. And it was like, um, I mean, and I'm, I'm a very affectionate person in general, you know, like I like to hug and, you know, my friends and I, we would play with each other's hair and things like that. And all of that was strictly not allowed. And, you know, if you were caught doing it, you were in big trouble. And, um, you know, we would try and sneak hugs to each other when we knew that 
you know, we were having bad days or, or something. Oh. And, you know, it was just, it was really sad. Um, sad. Did you feel bonded to the other girls going through this? Cause you guys were trying to sneak each other hugs and everything. So it was that. Yeah. Yeah, there were a few girls that I I felt bonded to. Um, there were other girls there that would um, definitely try and get you in trouble. So, like, if they saw you doing something, they would be there to snitch on you in an instant. And so it was really hard in the beginning to figure out who was trustworthy and who wasn't. And I think that a lot of the girls felt like if they told on the other girls it kind of like made them favorites with Mm. the counselors I I can only assume what kind of people these are too because I can imagine not letting punishing people for hugging or whispering yeah I feel like these people must be pretty cold themselves Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean yeah I can't imagine having to be like that for a job and then be a totally different person on the outside like children yeah yeah, yeah, we we were children, um, especially because, you know, there were 13 year old girls there like they're babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think of a 17 year old as a baby yeah. you know, now that I'm older, though. And so yeah, my heart it's true for you because I, you know, you just that's the opposite of what you needed at that point. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And, and it's hard because I hear that you have a lot of love with your family, too. It sounds like your mom. She's not perfect, you know, you've got her her issues, but she sounds like she wanted the best for you and that she loves you. Like the fact that she was moving all over the country Mm -hmm. and different schools to try to figure out how to make this better for you, you know, with her grandparents and then figured out how to sell her house in California to go be with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's. She's extremely misguided. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I think a mixture of she wants to try and fix it so bad, but then she's misguided. And then I think that there was that level of her finding Jesus and becoming religious. She was like extra intolerant of things that weren't, you know, spiritually acceptable or, you know, um, like, you know, having sex and drinking. Like, you know, I, I think that if it were something that she were open with me about I probably wouldn't have drank as much because Mm -hmm. I was rebelling and I was sneaking around and you know making bad decisions like getting in a car with my friend you know after a party because I didn't feel like I could tell my mom that I was at a party and I needed a ride without getting grounded you know did you work your way up into you said there was levels did you go through all the levels no I (laughs) so you could you could graduate and then they could bump you down. Um, oh. Yeah. So I was at level one for a while and I got bumped down to back to zero. Um, and I lost all my, like, I couldn't talk to my mom again. Um, what a mind fuck that is. What did you yeah. do to get bumped down? Um, honestly, I don't remember what I did to get bumped down. So during all of this time too, um, I saw a doctor that I had never seen before for a pap smear and they did, you know, just the whole pap smear STD test, all of that. Cause I was sexually active and that was part of the program was you had to go have a physical done. Um, and that's when that doctor took me off all my medications. He, uh, cold Turkey took me off my antipsychotic and my mood stabilizer. Um, 
and he let me, so I have asthma. He, um, I stayed on my, my, my asthma medication, but, um, that was it. And nobody informed my mom that they made these medication changes. Um, and so a, a couple days, maybe a weekish into my med change, I was sweeping in the kitchen and I just started hyperventilating and I had a panic attack. That's probably what got me bumped down to level zero. Wow. For having a Uh, panic attack. That is insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, after that day I got put on house, the house arrest or whatever it's called. I can't remember. Um, and so I, I, but to go back a little bit, so the gynecologist, he came on campus and did this or did you guys did you go to a doctor's office? I, I went to a doctor's office. It, it wasn't even a psychologist. It was just some person. Who, who did a gyno, like, like an exam? Yeah, it was like, it was like at like a, like a, like a primary care kind of place. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I had never seen this doctor before. <laughs> I don't even remember his name. Um, he did my gynecological exam and then went through my medications and made med changes. That's correct. Cr- but those are two different doctors. Yeah, that's very. Oh no, no, no. Crapsinger is completely different than somebody does a. Yeah, same doctor did all of that. I only saw one doctor. That seems very odd. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It, what did it you was. feel like in the moment? Like, did you feel comfortable with that situation? Um, no. Um. I mean, that was my first pap smear. So I was just, I was really uncomfortable, but you know, the counselors were like, oh, you know, this is a normal woman procedure, especially after you've been sexually active and blah, 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 blah. I mean, they definitely tried to normalize it. Um, Just so odd that he would be the one to take you off your meds too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, cold turkey, you had to go off the meds. You had the, this breakdown, they punished you for it, put you back down to level zero and you can't talk to your mom again as often as you were. Yeah. And finally I told my counselor that I was leaving um, because technically you were allowed to leave at any point, but the minute you stepped out the door, um, cause it wasn't a locked facility, but the minute you stepped out the door, you were considered a runaway and they could call the cops. Cause you were underage. Yeah. I told my counselor, I said like, cause I had actually been on that house arrest for a few days, um, because I was just so emotional and I would cry and, um, and that probably made you more emotional to be on house arrest. Yeah. Yeah. So they um, wouldn't let you call your mom either at this point to tell her that you wanted to go home? No. Well, they they thought that if they let me talk to my mom, my mom could talk me out of leaving. So they let me, they, they called the director in and her and my counselor and I put uh, called my mom on speaker and I told her I was leaving. And she begged me not to go. And I was like, I can't be here anymore. Did you tell her that they took you off your meds? No, I I didn't. She didn't find that out until after I left. After we got off the the phone, I went to my room and I grabbed a sweatshirt and my tennis shoes and I walked out. I think I even ran. I ran as long as I could and I finally found a house and I went up to the front door and I knocked. And some lady answered and I asked her to borrow her phone 
and she said okay so she brought me her cordless phone um and i i i i didn't call my mom i called my friend um from klamath and i told her where i was at i said i'm in lapine um i don't know you know where anything is but come to lapine <laughs> i'll find you um <laughs> yeah that was not um you know, a great plan. (laughs) And so anyways, uh, I gave her back her phone and I took off down the road in the opposite direction of the school. Um, and I was trying to hide behind things and I was like walking in trees, but, um, one of the counselors, it wasn't mine. It was another counselor lady. She pulled up in a car next to me eventually I'm so I'm not sure if the lady that I stopped at's house called the school and let them know that I was there because I'm I'm assuming that a lot of the surrounding neighborhoods knew that there was the the girls school there Mm -hmm. um for reasons like this like being able to call and say that there's just a random girl plus I'm pretty sure I was wearing my academy at sister sweatshirts I'm, I'm assuming they uh, they got tipped off and they found me mm-hmm. and um, I wouldn't get in her car. I was like, you know, I, I don't want to get in your car. I'm not going back. Um, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not going back. And so she finally said, that's fine. But can I just park the car and we'll sit and talk about everything? And I said, OK. And so at that point, we were talking about just how I thought it was unfair and it wasn't helpful and all of that stuff. And then the cops showed up. Yeah. And they basically told me that I could go back with her or I could get in their car. And so I got in the cop car Mm. and um, they took me to uh, someone's house. It was just a house, uh, like with a family, like it was a mom and a dad and they had two kids. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure why I ended up at a house instead of like a juvenile center or anything like that, but I ended up at someone's house and they were the nicest people. They let Mm -hmm. me take a bath. I hadn't been able to take a bath because they only had showers and showers were supervised. Um, and so I got to lock myself in a bathroom and take like a two hour bath and they just knocked to make sure I was okay. Um, I got to watch, I watched Twilight Zone probably until 4 a.m. So this um, was like a holding place until? Until until my mom made a decision what to do with me. So okay. the the options were take me home, send me back to the school or send me to wilderness camp. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you guys remember that show brat camp? I very, yeah, vaguely I do. And I've heard about these wilderness school type things. Yeah. So typically the way that the program that I was at works is you go to wilderness first. And once you graduate wilderness, you come to this program to like reassimilate into society and like, Basically, they break you down at wilderness to just nothing. And it's bare, you know, it's, it's just the bare minimum. You're surviving out in the woods. And then you come back to society and they build you up to be a, like a functioning person in society. That's mm-hmm. like, I think that their, their system 
their model is. So go to wilderness, go back to the school or go home. Um, And I remember, I think I called my mom at 5am. Like I was up all night waiting to call her and the the mom at the house that I was at wouldn't let me call before 5am. And I called my mom and I told her where I was at, you know, um, she nobody had told her where I was. She didn't know if I was in juvie, if I had gone back, if I was being held somewhere else. Like she, she, she knew wow. that they found me, but she didn't know where I was at. My mom and I talked for like three hours on the phone and I told her everything that had happened, um, you know, about like just, just everything. Um, and so she, uh, agreed to come get me and take me home, but there were going to be strict guidelines and, you know, all of that jazz. So she came and picked me up. Oh, no, no, no. We met at a grocery store. The family that I was with took me to a grocery store and my mom met me there. And then her and I drove back to the school and they, they wouldn't let us come in hmm. to, to get my stuff because they said that it, you know, was bad. And, and I don't disagree. Like, like me showing up to get my stuff and leaving with my mom, like all the girls probably would have left, you know, at that point thinking that their parents would have um, taken them home and all like their parents may not have made that decision. I, I don't know. They could have ended up at wilderness or something, but um, so they backed up all my stuff and my mom and I went home and that was, hmm. that was it. I was there about four months. Four months. Jeez, that felt like the story felt like years because I'm sure oh. it just dragged out forever. I bet every day felt so long there. Yeah, it it really did. Every day um, was forever. Yeah, one, but no. One thing was, you said you said you took a bath because showers were monitored. Were they like? Yeah. Did they watch you in the shower? Um. So you had you you had to shower with the door open. They would stand like in the doorway. Um. And I like you could shut the shower curtain. Unless you were on, like, suicide watch or something, then they watched you do everything, mm. like, with eyes on you. Um, if you were on suicide watch, you had your bed in the hallway where they could see you on the floor. Um, yeah. Or 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 if you were on, like, um, runaway watch, too. So you mentioned, you know, getting in trouble and they would isolate you guys and you would, you know, stare at a wall and do everything alone and then obviously you're 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 monitored you know when you're showering and everything like that what other weird things went on like odd things that were not normal um i feel like the doctor's appointment that was that was really odd yeah Yeah, it's like isolating like everybody had to clean um like deep clean and it it was like toothbrush on the floor kind of cleaning um Everybody had to do that, whether or not you were in trouble or not. Um, really, the only punishment was the the isolation and having privileges taken away, like, you know, not being able to read your letter or yeah. make a phone call um, or... It's like extreme uh, mental abuse. Yeah. How, do you feel like it was beneficial for you, though? So when you got out and got home, did you... What were you like <laughs> afterwards? Uh, I, I was worse, um, cause, cause I was angry at that point. Yeah. I was angry, um, at my mom, um, for... well, we've heard the uh, other stories from a couple people who have been to like just celebrities who've done it. Um, yeah. 
and same thing they like rebelled afterwards yeah so obviously this school system and their plan to help is not helping at all it's doing the opposite well Kat Von D she came out and she was saying that she can looking back it is the source of her extreme alcoholism Mm -hmm. yeah that I mean that does not surprise me I know I know that I rebelled even more so coming back because you know there's all that that added layer of uh, you're you've been isolated yeah. they they've shamed you for having feelings mm-hmm. you don't you don't know how to work through feelings because they try to uh make you emotionless um there 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 was no positive coping skills taught there it was basically just don't have emotion um so and awful. yeah um, and I, I, I know that from, you know, 17 on, it was definitely some of my, my worst decisions, you know, made like, and then also I came back and had my license and I had a car. Uh, so it was, it was even worse. Cause you know, I would lie. I would go to places I shouldn't be going. Um, you had you went from having absolutely no freedom to having it all back. Yeah, or you went a little crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> senior year with my mom was really rocky. Um, I I lived with my grandparents for a portion of it. Um, my school, like the I I went back to the Christian private school that I had been at, um, and they are awful as well. And, you know, the, the principal said uh, that I had to live with my mom if I wanted to graduate. And my mom's like, well, she's not moving back in with me. So then I ended up moving in with my vice principal and his family. What? Um, oh, yeah. Um, that, yeah, that Who was. Who makes this- these rules? What, what is that a rule for graduating? That is insane. When you're a private school, you don't have like you don't even have to have a teaching degree to be a teacher at private school oh in God. Oregon. So crazy. Yeah. So anyway, so the the boarding school made everything a lot worse. Um, and it was worse for a long time before it started getting better for me. Like, how did you get better? Like, what what did you do to try to recover from this, this situation? Yeah. Well, um. I'm not I'm okay my grandpa died Mm-mm. um when I uh was 20 Ugh. and um yeah you were very close um, mm-hmm. yeah um and he had always told me like you need to go to school and get an education so you don't have to depend on anybody that you can take care of yourself and so um when so he had cancer he had he got cancer the first time when I was in the therapeutic boarding school Mm. um which made it hard because he was going through chemo and I couldn't see him or talk to him so that was like an added layer of emotions for me um but he went into remission and then got sick again um when I was 19 and so uh the spring, uh, the spring before he died, he died in June. Um, I decided I was going to go to college. My best friend from high school was at a college in, in Oregon. And, um, so 
I decided that's what I was going to do. And, you know, we went to new college day, like the orientation day and all that stuff together with my grandpa. And Mm -hmm. so um, he passed at the end of June. And then I went away to school in September. And um, I almost flunked out my first two terms just because I didn't like want to go to class. And I thought I could get away with doing the bare minimum like I did in high school. Um, uh, And so that was when it was like I was 21. And that's when I had like my aha moment of I got to buckle down. Like I need to I need to do this and I need to be disciplined and I need to just take responsibility for myself and my actions. And so I retook all the classes I had flunked. I did summer school. I got a job. Um, I started helping, um, you know, my mom and my grandma, they were paying for my school and the agreement all my life had been like my grandparents would pay for school and I just, you know, needed to go to school. I wouldn't need to work. They would pay for my apartment and all of that stuff. I just needed to go to school and focus on school. But long story short, my grandparents' money was gone. Um, And when my grandpa died, my grandma found out that they were broke and she had to sell her house and move in with her kids. And so I started having to take money out to pay for school. And so I really, you know, once I started seeing like how much school actually cost and how much my bills were and how much my apartment was and books, like I really figured out like, Hey, if I want to do this, like I'm going to have to do it and I'm going to have to do it on my own because there's no money to pay for college now. And there's no money to pay for my living. And, Mm -hmm. um, so luckily around like age 21, 22 is when I really figured it out. And, um, of course I was still, I had, quite a bad drinking problem all of college I would drink and black out and you know punch my boyfriend or you know I I threw his computer off my balcony when I was drunk once um so yeah um so that that was bad and I I mean now I've you know I'm 32 now I I know that I can't drink heavily because I do get angry I can drink and have fun and be fun, but there's like, I, I, I know my limit and I can't go past that. And if I do, it's not going to be a good time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're very self-aware. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like that childhood trauma comes up, you know, when, yeah, when you're in that, in that state, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Have you ever gone to therapy for what you went through? Um, I kind of have gone and then stopped and Mm -hmm. then gone and then stopped. I think it would be beneficial for me, but I also think that I, I like keeping it suppressed, you know, and, and just not thinking about it. Cause I, I know therapy is a lot of emotional work. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I just, I, I don't know that I'm ready to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I can tell there are, there are things that I do, you know, like with my husband, um, there are ways that I respond or things that I do um, because of all of that, um, that I eventually want to work through. So I don't always react in certain ways. M- my senior year, my mom actually OD'd on pain pills and my grandpa had to kick the door in. Um, and I don't, they discussed it. I don't know what happened, but it was on mother's day and I couldn't get her to open her bedroom door. Mm. Um, and so, um, 
when my husband, he, he broke his arm, um, in half snowboarding and he was taking pain pills, obviously, but I was just super on edge. Like, did you just take one? Do you really need a second one? Mm -hmm. Are you drinking with them? And like, and like, it, it caused arguments between him and I, because he's like, I'm literally just trying to manage my pain right now. And I'm just like, okay, but can't you manage it with just one pain pill? Yeah. Um, um, and you know, like things that aren't necessarily rational, but I can tell stem from my experiences. I think that's pretty um, normal though, to mm-hmm. have to feel that way. And yeah. especially after what you've been through. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, that it is what it is, but it's good, you know, it's good to be validated and feel like it's not abnormal what I'm experiencing now, but I don't think so at all. Like not to go, I don't want to take away from your story, but I have childhood trauma of my own. And the things that Mm -hmm. you say are things that I also do. And I also feel, and, you know, I'll have some anger sometimes at my own family members for things that happen, but I'm just like you. Like I also like to suppress because I don't know. It's easy. And I don't necessarily want to have to bring up all that emotional trauma because I feel like a a functioning human adult that's healthy. And then when I think about my childhood traumas, I feel like a broken person and I hate that feeling. So what you feel to me is like, it resonates with me. And I just really wanted you to know that like you're one in the same in that sense. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate hearing that because, um, you know, as a, a, a healthy-ish functioning adult, you know, you don't go around talking about your childhood traumas and you look at all these other, you know, well-adjusted people and it's like, do you have similar experiences? But you, but you don't talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would bet on it that for the most part, a lot of people do. A lot of yeah. people do have a, a past or trauma from their childhood. And that's yeah. why I'm so thankful that you came on to talk with us today, because I know that I, I think this might be one of the first times we've talked about it pretty openly. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been, you know, I've, I've talked to my husband about, about it. Um, but also I, I do that thing where I like make a joke about it. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, I got sent to an all girls school. Ha ha. You know? Um, so this is probably one of the first times that I've talked about all of it you know, start to finish really openly. Do you know if this school is still around? Yeah, I actually went ahead. And after I told you guys that I had been to a therapeutic boarding school, I Googled it. And I mean, there's still a website that looks like it's updated. Um, Yeah, I think it's still around. (laughs) To me, I mean, we've heard about other schools. Yours didn't sound like it was necessarily like abuse, like physically abusive or anything like that. But it does sound like it was very mentally abusive and obviously isn't doing what it's meant to do. It's the opposite, really. So it's surprising that it's still around. And I wonder if anything has changed or I wonder if anybody else has spoken out about it or raised awareness about how it's just it's not what it's meant to be. Yeah, you know, honestly, um, I I would be interested to hear too because after, at like a while after, um, I left and stuff like that, I did find some of the girls on like MySpace. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna ask you if you kept in contact. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't think, I think maybe a few of them ended up graduating, but a lot of them left, like ran away and left. Um, And 
all of them seem to just go right back to what they were doing beforehand. Mm -hmm. It didn't, it didn't seem like it really changed anyone's life for the better, at least that I kept in touch with. Um, And then I, uh, like, eventually when MySpace died, I, you know, lost touch with them. And now, like, I can remember a few first names, but I can't remember their names anymore. Um, Because mm-hmm. I started thinking about that, too. I was like, I wonder where these girls are at now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, because I feel fortunate that I turned out the way that I did, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, But I think that that was mostly on me deciding that I wanted to turn out the way that I did. Um, I think that's what it usually comes down to, to yeah. wanting to better your life are you feeling like too like as a mom it's changed you in ways how you're gonna parent your kids oh more open with them (laughs) as they get older yes absolutely it and like I feel like every every parent is like I'm not gonna be the same parent my my mom was or you know Mm -hmm. or maybe not everybody some people had great parents but no there's definitely things that I hope to do different um with with my kids. And there are things, you know, that I see myself doing with my kids sometimes that my mom, like, like, my patience and my temper. Sometimes I, I, I'll, you know, I'll snap at my two year old if he's like, Mom, 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 I'm like, what, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just trying to be really self aware of that. Um, because I don't want, you know, my kids to grow up thinking that, yelling and arguing is the way that you resolve conflict. And, you know, um, I, I want them to feel nurtured and supported all the time. Um, because, you know, I, I didn't always feel that way. I felt for me with my childhood trauma that having a child now is so healing for me because I feel like mm. I finally get to live a childhood and the childhood that I wanted. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really does. Um, be like being the mom that I wish I had. Um, definitely. It, it makes me feel good for my kids. But then I think sometimes deep inside, like my, my inner child hurts that my mom wasn't able to yeah. do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I know my mom loves me and I know that she means well. Um, but even to this day, I mean, it's still really misguided. Um, she, she and I have completely opposite views on just about everything there is to have views on. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. It is because, you know, I, I want to, I want to love her and, be involved in her life and have her involved in in our life with the kids and I mean we talk every day like we talk multiple times every day we're constantly texting and and things like that but it's usually just you know very superficial things and then if it's not it's her pushing her religious beliefs or her political ideas on me Mm -hmm. um and so I just am just very much like okay well that's great that you have your your views but I have my own and let's just agree to disagree and I often feel like I have to be the parent in our relationship now too. Like Mm -hmm. I have to be the civil diplomatic one of that's fine that you think that, but I don't think that. And we can just, you know, not talk about it. I don't know. Um, I feel like now I just want to go find these schools and go hug all the girls that are there. It's so sad to think that they're not being able to get the affection and love and they're not being 
lifted up they're being if anything pushed down so it just makes me sad thinking about it and now they have to go through all this oh it breaks my heart it it is really sad and I I do feel fortunate that there was no there was no physical abuse that at least I witnessed and no sexual abuse that I witnessed um and so I'm very fortunate that I don't have that added level of trauma you know to have to work through um but I think any school program that is based on breaking you down and then building you back up, I, I just, I don't think that that's um, helpful in any way, shape or form Mm-mm. to anybody ever. No, <laughs> not at all. Well, hopefully yeah. with, I mean, you know, you talking on here about it and then all these celebrities now, well, two so far coming out and talking about their experiences, hopefully parents who maybe would be considering that type of environment mm-hmm. for their kids hopefully it brings awareness no. to what it really is but what I like about yeah. the conversation with you is is when I listen to you talk as a mom I see the things that I wish would have been done to you like if I was your mother you know like it's yeah almost, it's, it's a teaching method for moms listening like if you have a kid that's acting out what do they need and then from you you're like I needed unconditional support and love yeah. and stability and, trust. and yeah. trust, you know, and yeah, and I think that's something that we all need. Like, I know I felt that way, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. things that I hid was because I didn't feel like it was safe to talk about, and yeah, yeah. So, I think like it's even more than the boarding school <clears throat> conversation, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. how do we handle the teenager years because honestly what you did to me is very normal mm-hmm. I drank I smoked pot I had sex like yeah I snuck out that's... I had boyfriends that were shitty that I shouldn't have had yeah 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 I mean I like I hate to say it but I I think it's just part of like those formative teen years like you make bad choices and then you know there's some natural consequences you know that come about but it's like it's that like the the parental shaming and things like that that just make it so much harder to work through totally totally seriously we appreciate this conversation so much it was really interesting thank you so much thank you so much for opening up and sharing with us absolutely oh and like I just, I, I really wish I could hug you right I know, now. I know. Honestly, I feel like really dissatisfied that I can't like just hug you and now I can't like know you in real life. If you're yeah. never in Arizona, hit us up. Oh, absolutely. Where we'll meet Arizona? up for a hug. We'll meet up for a hug. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely. I'll keep that in mind. Well, that wraps up our conversation. We seriously enjoyed talking to her. We hope you guys enjoyed hearing her story. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at mom.worthy. Join our Facebook group, Mom Worthy Mamas, and leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it so much. Thank you, guys.